how's everybody doing? I'm super excited. I would say why I would like say why I'm I ex I excited, but I just am. <laughs> so, um, before I start talking about my sermon and Jesus and all that, I'll just let you know that my main scriptures tonight will come out of Hebrews six. So if you're taking notes or um, if you're if you got your Bible or Bible app, Hebrews six is where you need to turn. So. Before I get started, I wanted to give an update on the youth, because I know most of you in here do not go to youth. Um, we do have some youth here tonight, so go youth. Uh, we've been having an awesome time in youth. So um, just a background, so four months ago, a little over four months ago, Chelsea and I um, felt like the Lord was telling us that we need to move into youth ministry, and also Devin and Ashley and Ryan, we all felt the same calling, so CJ brought us as a team in to take over youth. So I think we were running like eight to ten students a night back then, about four and a half months ago. We had eight to ten students with four leaders. <laughs> so we're running about one, one leader to two students. So it was pretty, it was, it was awesome. But um, anyways, as of two weeks ago, we had 29 students there. So um, it's, it's, it's been growing, it's been awesome, um, and now we're way outnumbered. And so that team of three is is having a blast with those youth. And so um, thank you for supporting the youth. Thank you for praying for the youth and continue to pray for us because 29 is still not what God wants. Um, that's just the start of what God wants. And we want to take that group with us to the new building and grow it even more. So, um, all right. So that's super exciting news. Now on to the message. So. My message is called, God loves you more than you love sin. And I'll say that again, God loves you more than you love to sin. So if you think about that, that's pretty crazy because we sin all the time. And sometimes we like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it's crazy to think that God loves you. And it's not that he just barely loves you more than that. He loves you exponentially more than he, you love to sin. So... Um, that came to me today in the bathroom, surprisingly. <laughs> so that saying there. And so, <laughs> so but I just thought, I thought that is crazy to me that um, no matter what we do, um, no matter if we like what we do or what, if we don't like what we're doing, um, there, it talks about in the Bible that we do what we don't want to do and we don't, wanna, we don't do what we should do. Um, and no matter what we're going through at the moment, God loves you more than that. So, saying that, be the change. Have that fire, all-consuming fire of God burning inside you that ignites that soul-saving, life-changing, life-breathing events and situations in your life. Um, just because it's tough right now, don't discount what God can still do through that. So, we as Christians should want to always be progressing and changing the way we see our lives lived out as being sold out believers of God. But the most common mistake we make is that as Christians, we want to follow God at a distance. We want to be close enough to God to call us God followers, but far enough away that we can do what we please in our daily lives. We surround ourselves with small, less effective fires and that are less warm, that only give us temporary warmth and temporary happiness instead of 
um, connecting to the ultimate fire, the all-consuming fire that can burn in our soul to find the purpose in our lives and the success in our ministry that only comes through seeking God. What temporary fire are you tending to when God needs you? And when I'm talking about a temporary fire, so God is that all-consuming fire that should be inside of us that pushes us to go seek others, to go serve others, to go seek out that person at work that really, really needs you. Um, but there's temporary fires that we distract ourselves with that we tend to um, that we don't need to. So, for instance, um, for me, it's sports. Um, I find comfort in sports. So I could watch a game and just, like, zone out and love life. Like, I could sit there and watch a Razorback game and not remember what happened the last three or four hours. That's a temporary fire that I'm putting Instead of letting God take over that three or four hours, I'm putting that as a temporary satisfaction that covers what God could have done in that three to four hours. Now, I'm not saying that watching a Razorback game is always bad, but, <laughs> well, it is bad right now to watch a football game. They are bad. But, um, but we have to know that God needs control of our time. I told the youth on Sunday night, I... I I didn't speak, but when Ryan was speaking, the Lord spoke to me that um, he gave me this analogy. He said, do you realize how much time you waste on things that the world gives you? Um, so, for instance, like on Facebook, you have that event tab, and it tells you what events you have coming up that day, that week, that month. And it's crazy to me that we need that. Like, we, we are so, want our lives, we want our lives so busy that we have an event tab telling us, hey, you're going to have a harvest fest at Cross Church this week. It's like, I didn't really need that in my life, but I'm going to go now. <laughs> so um, it's just uh, God was saying, all that time that you spend planning out your days could have been a day that I planned. So um, just a nugget. We should want to be that change in the world. We should not want to be a follower of, the follower of the distracting things in this world, but a leader and a change that can only be explained by the countless, and a, the countless and miraculous changed lives around us. So I know I spoke last time I told you guys the story about Janie that I work with where um, I felt like God only had me in that job to witness to her. And, and it was kind of crazy to think about that because... Most people want jobs so that they can learn something new, make more money. But I felt like God had me in that job just to witness to her. So um, when I said this, that's what I thought of. When God gave that to me, he's, I'll read that line again. By a leader, be the leader and a change that can only be explained by the countless and miraculous change lives around us. So you may think that you're working where you work just by coincidence, but Pray and seek God and see what people are around you that you may be able to help, um, may be able to witness to. Um, it may not just be work that God has put you there for. When we stand around and let the world decide what our lives should consist of, we are watching Jesus get slapped in the face and we are doing nothing about it. It sounds harsh to say that, but it's time for us to stand up 
and be God's children and stand up for our Heavenly Father and read His Word so we know for ourselves what we believe. We need to ask ourselves, what am I doing that I am slapping God in the face with? Put the culture to the side, What a, all the get on your knee, take a knee for the anthem, um, all the things we see on the news, put all that to the side. What are you doing that is something that is distracting you from having that personal relationship with God? So, like I said earlier, watching Razorback games could be that for me because, honestly, this message was something God gave me that he had been speaking to me months about, about, Andrew, when was the last time you opened your Bible and actually read a full chapter and not just one verse? Um, but how many times have you watched a three-hour Razorback football game? Um, how many verses could you read in three hours? Um, God just kept giving me that over months and months, and finally, you guys know Chris Moore, who's been coming recently. He just out of the blue one day said, hey, why don't you do this Bible study with me? So that was God's answer to my prayer to get myself... Um, back in the game. Um, basically, I kept begging God, put me back into play, put me in coach, but I kept just putting him to the side and doing things that I wanted to do. But Chris Chris helped, was being used by God to tell me, hey, I want to put you back in the game, and this is going to be the way in. So that was part of the reason why I got baptized again, because I wanted to recommit my faith. Um, I started reading my Bible more. Um, and God will answer your prayers whenever you fully commit that prayer to him and you you don't have any what-ifs on the back end of that prayer. So, so ask yourself, what are you doing that possibly could be slapping God in the face? It doesn't have to be that harsh. What are you doing that is something that is keeping you from having that personal relationship with God? So I'll give you another example. So ironically, today, as I should have been more Jesus-like than ever because I'm supposed to speak tonight, I was at work, and I just got a new job. I got a promotion at work. So that was a God story in itself, and I'll talk about that later. But I got a promotion, so I'm doing half days. Half days as an hourly associate, half days as a salaried associate right now. So this morning I had my Bible sitting on my desk in my hourly position because they already know that I'm a youth pastor, so there was no worry there. In my new management position, though, they have no idea that I'm a youth pastor. So for a second this morning when I'm sitting there reading my Bible on my break, I thought, I'm not going to take my Bible to my second, second half of my day today. And so, and it wasn't because I'm trying to hide something, it was just... It was that thought, do I want to have that conversation? And the answer should be yes. You should want to have those conversations. You should want to speak about God. That should be the first priority on your list is to speak about God. And so this is an example of what are we doing that is distracting us from having that personal relationship. And I would say that's a perfect, perfect example. If you are scared to even bring a Bible with you to work, there's you need to check yourself um you're on the bench you're on the sideline in the in the life of a christian you're not uh, in you're not in the starting lineup <laughs> um 
as Pastor CJ, Uncle CJ spoke about Sunday, we need to have a priority to serve to serve God and to serve those around us far ahead of the priorities of other hobbies, people or people or events in our lives. It's like the old Casting Crown song says, it's a slow fade when I give myself away. So like today, if I was to not bring my Bible, oh, so the end of story, I did take my Bible, and they saw it, and they asked me why I had a Bible. <laughs> so I told them I was preaching tonight, so it was a good end to a good, to a, could have been a bad story. <laughs> They're clapping back there. <laughs> so it was good. It all turned out good, but they were kind of like, oh, you're a youth pastor? Why are you not doing that full time? And so it was kind of like a, a conversation starter because they don't really know much about me, but it was awesome. So, um, what was I saying? Oh, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away in that song. I don't know if you guys have heard that song. It's a Casting Crown song, but it's talking about how you don't end up in jail overnight. Um, you, it's a slow fade that you give yourself away and turn your back on God. So you, it starts off with small stuff like that. So, if, for instance, if I was to not bring my Bible and I'm starting to hide things from other people and, and trying to blend in with the rest of the crowd and not, not profess my faith and not try to start those conversations, that's where it starts, and it ultimately leads to death and death in your spiritual life. And so it can go anywhere from there. And so I'd say that you don't want to start doing those small things that could lead to the bigger things. Falling toward the way of the world, whether it's falling into bad relationships or falling into par the party lifestyle that spins you out of control, it's all just a slow fade. The Lord shows his greatness through the amazing turnaround stories of changed lives. But ju just as it was a slow fade to fall away from God, Learning, growing, and maturing as a Christ follower can sometimes feel like a slow upward trend. All right, so I'm going to read Hebrews 6, verse 4 through 8. Is it possible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance? To their loss, they, have they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to the public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So in that verse, verses, God spoke to me and said, once you have gotten past the point of I have accepted Jesus in my heart and you are now experiencing the Holy Spirit as if you are seeking God, there it is impossible, it says in that verse, it says, maybe it's in another version. Oh, yeah, it says, it is impossible for those who have once basically heard, breathed, lived, heard about the Holy Spirit, to turn away from God at that point. So when you are changed, when God has changed you, it should be impossible for you to ignore what God's doing around you. 
Speaking from my life, living in contentment is dangerous and can lead you to that slow fade. In the verses we just read, Paul expresses that our desire to turn from God and his greatness is impossible after experiencing the Holy Spirit. That means a complete change in the way you think, the way you react, and the way people see you. So you're always, you're going to slip up. That's, that's a no-brainer. You're going to slip up, but you should never have the desire to turn away from God once you have fully experienced his Holy Spirit. And like CJ has talked about before, when he was in college, or I think you were out of college, you said that you were working at a Christian shop and every time they'd play worship music, you'd walk in and just f- basically fall to your knees. So that's an example of this verse. It, it's talking about how once you have experienced it, it is God will not leave you alone. It's amazing how we try over and over to change our personalities and the way others see us by trying our best to change the way we react and the way people view us. But God is only the only one who can change the heart which ultimately changes the way you think. God proves himself to us in the way our lives are turned into a walking billboard for his kingdom. All right, Hebrews 9 through 12. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that, you ha- that, so that what you hope for may full, will be fully realized. We do not want to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So God is talking about there that don't ever give up. Just because you slip up once doesn't mean you should turn around and just say, well, forget God. I slipped up once. I guess I better just start sinning more and stop going to church and just give up on God. That verse says, if you want to inherit all the blessings God has for you, keep on keeping on, never give up. And I felt like that's what you were, your post was talking about, Jen, earlier was, you have goals, never give up. Um, and God's talking about there that there's no need to give up. Paul tells the audience he is speaking to not lose faith. Don't lose sight of what God has promised you. We, ha- we as Christians seem to lose faith in what God has done and what he can do. Even if we know he has seen us through the hardest times and brought us through the most successful times in his kingdom. We seem to get discouraged and give up and leave him out of situations when he should be the first one we run to. Failure can never cancel the plan God has for you. You failing on what you know you should have done cannot cancel what God wants to do in your future. I think someone needs to hear that tonight because you could have gone through a divorce and thought that was the person that God had for you, but that failure doesn't cancel what God had for you. It doesn't matter how many times you deny God or fail God or demiss God. His love for you will always overpower the denial. Once you decide and surrender your life and start the communication with God and connect to the source of love, God erases that past and there's no need to look back. 
Run to God like your life depends on it. Run to him in the bad times and in the good times. No matter what you're going through now, there is no time to wait. Run to God like your life depends on it because it really does. If you think about it, you can get distracted on a daily basis of what's going on around you. But ultimately, what happens at the end of your life? You go to one place or the other. So run to God like your life depends on it, because it really does. Because you're either going to live in, live in eternity with God after you die, or you're not. And so why waste the time now when you could run to him? God is really sick of us hitting that replay button on our lives. You don't get turned away and cast away from God because you had the bad Christian report card in the past. In fact, God says, my blood has covered every sin. Everything you have done is wiped away with my blood. When we make it to heaven, we won't make it due to our past, but due to the decision that we to lean on the one who paid the price for our past a price that we could have had no way of paying. One example we see in the Bible in the book of John is that John refers himself as to the one Jesus loved. This almost sounds arrogant, but in reality, I believe that John realizes that what's significant about his life was not how much he loved Jesus, but how much Jesus loved him. So does that make sense? So, John doesn't ever refer to himself as John in John. He always says, the one that Jesus loved, which if I was his friend, I'd have been mad at him because he doesn't just love you, John. He loves me. But John, I think, realized that the relationship he had with God did not depend on how much he loved Jesus, but how much Jesus loved him and how many times that he could have slipped up, but God still loved him. Peter once had denied Jesus three times. So, in another book, so that's also in John. Um, in the book of John, Peter denies Jesus three times. You guys probably know that story. But the next time, did you guys remember what Peter said to, or did the next time he saw Jesus after he had denied him three times? Peter, the next time he saw Jesus, he believed him so much and wanted to prove his love for Jesus so much that in John 21, 7, which I'll read it real fast. This should be how we react when we mess up. Well, if I can find John. There we go. So just think about this. So Peter had just denied Jesus three times, and then this is the next time he sees Jesus. Surprisingly, he, Jesus didn't just strike him with lightning the last time. <laughs> so, Peter says, or the verse says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, so that's the example I was giving you, so John is calling himself the one that Jesus loved. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say that, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, 
they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So when Peter saw Jesus the time right then, he, he jumped out of the boat even though he could have just sat in the boat, rowed to shore with his buddies. But he, he knew that he had messed up, and we need to realize when we mess up. Um, Peter realized that he understood what was going to happen or what had happened and how our relationship with God is renewed every day. God doesn't give up on us, so why should we give up on our relationship with him? He could have sat back and said, all right, buddies, because it doesn't say who the names of the people that were in the boat with Peter, but he could have said, all right, buddies, you go ahead of me. I'm kind of embarrassed the last time I saw Jesus. I denied him three times. Um, You guys tell him I'm sorry. Have a little conversation with Jesus before I show up, and so that way things get a little better before I meet him. But no, Peter jumped out of the boat, swam as fast as he could to Jesus, and beat everybody to shore. And so we need to have that mentality when we're in trouble, when we mess up, as soon as we realize that we have messed up and as soon as we realize that we need to make things right with God and that our life should always be about God, we should run to God as soon as we can, as fast as we can, and swim to shore as fast as we can. So when people try to remind you of your past, run to Jesus and prove that the only thing that matters is that God loves you and he has changed you. God loves you more than you love to sin. Peter learned from his past mistakes and continued to pursue God with all he had and go after God. So earlier I said I would talk about what God has been doing in my life because I feel like He's been working really hard on me for the past three to four months. And by the way, my voice is like gone. I think I have a cold. (coughs) But so God has really been working in Chelsea and I's life. And it's funny how when God's working really like just doing awesome things in your life, there's also tough things that happen. And the devil tries to tear you down at the same time God's building you up. So it's just been a whirlwind, but Chelsea and I have realized what's happening, and that's the, uh, the most awesome part about it is because you can be blindsided by God's, by God's blessings and also be blindsided by the devil's attacks. So, um, so a few months ago, you guys know I got laid off at Walmart. I think it was like five, a little over five months ago I got laid, o- laid off at Walmart. I was actually kind of happy about it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it was kind of a shock. I didn't expect it, but um, I knew that what God wanted me there for was done. <laughs> Dad's being nice to me. <laughs> um, so about five months ago, I got laid off at Walmart. I wasn't too sad about it. I actually knew that God had a plan because he had shown me that there was a lady there that I needed a witness to, and she had started going back to church, and so I felt like God had kind of accomplished what he had for me there. So I got laid off. Two weeks later, almost to the day, I get a call from Walmart again saying, okay, we want to hire you back. So I go back to the building right next door to where I got laid off, and I go back there to work. I got like a 1% increase in pay, so that was a God story in itself because God had provided. And so I go back to work, and this is like four months ago. So I dropped down. I kind of demoted, so I went from like a supervisor level down to a, an hourly 
but somehow I got a 1% increase in pay, so it was kind of a God story and all, but I, uh, God, God was proving himself. That's about the start of the story, so I, he starts proving himself, and Chelsea and I are doing great. God is working in our lives. That's about the same time that CJ came to us and said he wants us to um, start working with the youth, so this was all happening all at once. We were starting to work with the youth. I had this new job. I was back working at Walmart, and so all this is going on about four months ago, and the crazy thing is my boss that hired me back to Walmart had been laid off also and had just been rehired also. So he tells me when he rehires me, he said, hey, I know what you're going through. I've gone through it already. Um, we want you to know that we want you to keep applying for management positions because we think you're worth trying for management. And normally Walmart won't let you apply for anything unless you've been in a position for at least a year. So I'm, he's telling me this like the first day I get hired there. He's saying, all right, we want you to start applying for management. So I said, okay. I didn't expect I would get anything because usually they look and they're like, why are you applying when you've been in this job for two days? So, <laughs> so I start applying even though I'm just, I don't even know what I'm doing in my current job yet. So I start applying, nothing's happening. I get denied a few times. I even had one interview, but they called me the next day and said, sorry, we don't like you. You're horrible. So, <laughs> and so I keep working and working. And about three months ago, um, I get a call from my mentor who's in the old department where I got laid off in. And he says, Andrew, um, obviously I wasn't happy that we had to let you go because you were one of the best associates I've ever had. Your personality fits perfect with the team. And I want to let you know that I don't have a position on my team but someone in our department has a position, a management position open, and we want you to apply. So I was like, wow, they're actually asking me to apply. So I applied, interviewed, made it past the first round of interviews, made it to the second round, didn't get the job. So when you make it to the second round, they narrow it down to like two people. So I, it was me versus another person, and I didn't get it. And so I was super down on myself. I was like, man, I almost had that. And I found out who it was. It was a lady I already knew, so I was happy for her. And so it was all good. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to stay in this position that I'm in. I'm not going to apply anymore. My dad was telling me, Andrew, just stay where you're at. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so I'll stay. So I just started working. And they started put, giving me a whole bunch of responsibility at my current job. So in that hourly position, they would just pile work on me and say, Andrew, can you do this project? Andrew, can you do this? And so I was, I was excited. I thought God was using me there. And so, um, and they really liked me at that job. But then all of a sudden, one day I get this email saying, it's from the same guy who had just denied me that management position. And he said, hey, we have a second opening. You want to put your name in the bucket of people? And it didn't sound very promising. I was like, yeah, I guess. He's like, you might not even have to interview again. I was like, okay, so I'll just throw my name in there. And then he emails me like a day later, and he said, we want you to interview again. So I interviewed again. I bombed it. I, I totally bombed the interview because I had just interviewed with him like a few weeks before that. So it kind of felt like a rerun to me. So anyways, three weeks later, I'm thinking I didn't get the job. This was like two weeks ago. I'm still I'm thinking, well, I didn't get it because he still hasn't contacted me. Well, he calls me and says, Andrew, you got the job after three weeks, which if you guys ever know about anything about Walmart, usually they tell you within the week if you got the job or not. So it was crazy that he waited three weeks, and he, he calls me and says, sorry it took so long. Uh, we've known for 
two weeks now that we were going to offer you, but we just now got the approval. So um, all to say that God was working that whole time. And so um, Chelsea and I knew God was going to do something because, as you guys know, Chelsea is not working because she's staying home with Easton, and now we're about to have Zion, our second son. So God was working all that time to work up to that point. And now I am going back to the same department where I got laid off in. I was an hourly when I got laid off there. Now I'm going back as a manager five months later. That doesn't happen. Um, When you get laid off at Walmart, they don't want to hire you back 99% of the time. Um, So that is a God story in itself. When I tell people that at Walmart, they're saying, so where's your new job at? And I tell them, I say, yeah, that's where I got laid off. They're like, really? They're like, are you scared you're going to get laid off again? I'm like, nope, because God, God's, God's got me. Um, and che- God's got Chelsea and I, and whatever happens, God's got us. And so you have to look at your job as if God has control of that. And CJ talked about this on Sunday also. He said, God is the one who gives you the promotion. It's not Walmart. Because um, I never would have expected when I got laid off five months ago that I'd be back as a manager in the same department. And people today, they didn't even know I was coming back. So like today was my second day back there. And they're like, aren't you working next door? And I was like, no, I'm here. <laughs> and they're saying, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a project manager over on Brent's team. And they're like, what? So it's just, it's, it's opening the door for conversations to show what God can do at my work. And it's just amazing how God has worked it out. So I know I've talked a long time, but I want to pray. And I want you, and I know that CJ probably wants us to have a little prayer time. But I want to pray and just pray that you guys start realizing that your lives are more than your day-to-day to-do list. Your lives are... And always in a situation where God can use you or use people around you. All right. My throat. I'm going to have to take a drink before I pray so I can pray to Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your all-consuming fire. God, that um, comes down in every situation that we let it come down to, God. And pray that we would just realize that in your name, God, that things can change. In your name, God, we can be changed. People around us can be changed. People's hearts can be changed around us if we let you come down. I pray that we would just um, tonight pray that you would just come into our schools, come into our jobs come into our houses, God. There's things that are happening in people's houses in this room, God, that I'm sure that you need to be there in that situation so that um, lives can be changed and people's hearts can be changed. I pray that we would just be open, that we'd have um, ears, God, that are willing to listen, that we'd have hearts that are willing to receive, God. I pray that we would be thankful for what you've already done, God. I pray that we would be um, grateful And that would be hopeful of what you're going to do in our future, God. Again, we thank you for your presence, God. And I pray that we'd all go after you 110%. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. I'm excited for what God is doing in our midst, and um, I say time and time again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but um, God's blessing to have um, young men and women who are wanting to uh, go into ministry, and uh, all of them have expressed that they are willing to go through the schooling and training, and we've been able to work out through our Presbyterian Bella Vista Assembly that those that want to take their ministry classes through what they call RSOM, Arkansas School of Ministry, the assemblies God has. Um, we'll have um, even, I think, talked my wife into finally getting through the class. She didn't have to take the classes because she went to Bible college, but to getting her credentials. So I keep saying it because I think she wavered. <laughs> There's responsibility that goes with that, and it, it's, uh, but it's awesome. God just keeps uh, uh, bringing more and more folks who uh, have a call of some sort to ministry. And so we've been having a lot of great conversations. Mark and Joe uh, met with me this week, and we talked about forward movement for the hospitality ministry at New Song. And so a lot of great things happening. Um, I do want to mention, I, I failed to mention at the beginning, that we have a missionary. I, I just got word the other day he's going to be here. Um, Curtis and Amy Denton, who are, they've been here before. It's been a couple of years, but... Um, she does ministry in children's church, so um, we might be able to get her to minister to the kids to, and help our, our team on Sunday. Uh, but they are in Italy, and uh, I would really like us to love on them. Now I'm gonna sh- this is a, a bunch of core group of people here that are here regularly, so I'm going to share with you something that I just w- want you to kind of take and know yourself, but not necessarily share Sunday. But he expressed that their teenage and their daughters... It's been a struggle because, you know, they go for four years on the field and they come back a year. And all their friends are in Italy. They go to school in Italy. And here they are in, in pivotal points of their schooling, and they're being uprooted for a year here. And so they said they've, they've tried to keep good attitudes about it, but it's very tough. So I'm telling you this to say, Jennifer and I have had missionaries or family, and a lot of times the missionaries get loved on when they're here, and the kids are kind of just in the sideline. So I would just love if we could pour out some, pour out love on their family this Sunday, and and their girls. I believe they're all going to be here. So they're just wonderful couple, and uh, doing a great work there in Italy. And uh, right now the church is supporting them through our 555. You know we're doing the five dollars a month to make sure we're covering every missionary. And I told him I said, listen, we didn't want to be an insult that it was only five dollars a month, but we wanted to make sure we're starting the relationship with all of our missionaries, and that was a way we could get started. And he said, listen. $5 means I'm able to take a student out for coffee. I said, that's very, you know, they'll go for coffee and then a little um, there's a pastry, and that's kind of a thing to do. And he says, I get to share the Word of God with them. So every month you guys are providing for a conversation with a student. So they are par- we are partnering with them. I'd love to increase that, um, our giving. So pray about what you might give towards the missionaries and maybe even on a monthly basis. So he said, you know, even if it's $5 a month, you know, that provides an open door for them with the students that they're ministering to in Italy. So come for, for one of the services Sunday and be ready to uh, just love on them. And we're going to take them to lunch and try to treat them to some lunch after service. And So I'm sure they'd be open for y'all coming if anybody's planning to go out to eat Sunday and want to go wherever we're going. We'll figure it out. I, I told them they could pick. I said, is it going to be Italian food? And he said, probably not. <laughs> it might be, but we don't know. All right. Well, listen, um, I know normally we've been leaving time for prayer, and you're welcome to pray in altars, but tonight, um, if you've got some time to just fellowship and hug a few necks and, and stick around, we usually don't get out till 8. Um, I'll just say this. If we're going to fellowship, go out in the small fellowship 
area up there and those that may want to spend time in prayer uh, can come up here to the altars and and be undisturbed there but i love you god bless you again thank you andrew for bringing the word and have a good evening